I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the MVP Show. Today's guest is listed as one of the top 10 Dynamics influencers according to Claire.com. That's K-L-E-A-R.com. He's a Microsoft MVP who's been living and loving CRM since 2007. I'm happy to welcome Andrew Bibby. For full show notes, visit nz365guide.com forward slash 102. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, Andrew, welcome to the MVP show. Hey, Mike. Thanks very much for having me. Excellent. Okay, so you're an MVP in England. That's right. What part of England are you from? Correct. Yeah, I live in um, the Midlands, actually, Evesham, which is about 30 miles south of Birmingham. Is that close to Middlesbrough? No, no, it's not that far north. Okay, so see, I got no idea. I didn't know where Middlesbrough. <laughs> I just know some people from there, and so okay, it's just yeah, Midlands. Okay, makes no sense yeah. to me. Interesting. So, how long have you been in Dynamics? I've been doing it for um, since two thousand and seven. So yeah, about twelve and a half years. Wow, good long time. Good long time. Yeah, I've seen been through a lot of changes. Yeah, yeah. So, what what makes you stay in the part of the world you live in? Why haven't you come to London, the big smoke? You know, I've done quite a lot of work in London over the years. Um, I'm not, a, I'm a bit of a country boy. I grew up in Devon. And so um, I'm not a massive fan of, of big cities. And um, yeah, you know, they're absolutely great places to visit. But uh, I, I prefer a bit more quiet, I guess. You know, I've got kids and that sort of thing. So um, yeah, a bit less action. So, so you you don't have heritage with the Poldarks or anything like that coming from Devon? No, no. I think that's Cornwall. It's no, pretty closer, right? Devon, <laughs> Devon's close. next door, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is next door. I think I got my uh, geography right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, my parents used to live near London for quite a while, and then they moved when I was uh, very small. They moved to Plymouth, um, uh, which is also where Lucy Muscat is from. So, um, yeah. Uh, and then I moved up to kind of the middle of Devon, which is very countrified, lots of farming and things like that. But it's a lovely place to live. And so tell us about your family. I've got two kids. I'm married. Um, I've got two kids, my wife, Leanne. Um, uh, I've got a daughter who's 13, going on uh, 30. And um, uh, that's Lauren and my, my son, Matthew, who's 11, who's very chilled out. Um, very kind of laid back, almost too laid back. Um, but yeah, you know, it's great, great having kids. So good. So good. Is there, is there any famous things to eat or places to go then in your part of the world? Well, you must have, um, a Devon cream tea, which is, uh, scone with clotted cream and jam. Um, I always get the order wrong, but that's a kind of rivalry between Devon and Cornwall, um, pasties as well pasties are great but that's a cornish thing but they are good from devon too i just find there's too much pastry in a pasty you know like not enough meat too much pastry you know that's just part of the experience (laughs) (laughs) i definitely tried them when i was down there yeah um, it's a nice part of the world yeah 
So how did you kind of, you know, fall into dynamics? Did you go and study at university? Did you take a career in this space or what was the story? No, I, um, I actually started out from university. Um, I did a degree in computing and intelligent systems. So uh, a bit about artificial intelligence. This was like 20 odd years ago, so it's fairly immature. But um, And started out when I, at the beginning of my career as a developer, um, just really at, actually, you know, I've always been interested in computers and, and um, developer jobs were around. So I took a, a job as a developer for a few years and that kind of progressed into web development and a normal sort of um, career progression through developer, senior developer, kind of um, analyst programmer, as they used to call them, uh, and then into solution architecture. Um, and then I finished working at a particular company in financial services um, and I started a project basically doing web development that was on Dynamics, actually CRM 3.0 as it was back then. Um, and that was extending CRM, um, adding custom functionality, which was basically web development. So I, that's how I kind of got into it. And then I worked on that project for about 18 months. Um, I really liked Dynamics as a platform and I could really see the benefits of it and um, in lots of things that I would be doing on every single project I'd worked on previously so things like you know building forms and laying out controls and uh, a security model you know custom building all that stuff every time and it just made so much sense to me actually that there was this framework here in CRM um, that did all this stuff and also had some extra functionality around sales and marketing and service such as it was um, and I just really like the platform. I like the experience of working with it. Um, and then towards the end of that project, um, CRM 4 was coming out. And Microsoft, I, I knew, were investing heavily in Dynamics as a platform uh, and really starting to ramp up that investment. And there were you know, people moving to the cloud and that sort of thing. So it was quite a long time ago. But it was the early days of that. And it just looked like a really interesting niche to get into um so I, I took a kind of conscious decision actually at the end of that project to stay with dynamics and look for something else in dynamics um and move to a partner an implementation partner uh, a few partners kind of on, on different projects all doing dynamics um and went from there really Mm-mm-mm. what's your just mentioning partners here what's your perception of the partner ecosystem particularly in the uk you know, who do you see that are kind of, um, I don't know if the word's innovating, but if you're like, who's looking after their staff really well that you see and who's really, you know, uh, adding a heck of a lot of value to their customers? Yeah, well, that's that's a good question. Um, I think this has changed over the last few years. Um, I think that power objects arrived in the UK with quite a lot of... Um, they were quite disruptive to that existing parco, uh, partner ecosystem. Um, and obviously they had a lot of good reputation from states and, and, and that I think lots of the sort of more established, um, bigger players like IBM and Hitachi and Capgemini and, and those sorts of guys kind of took notice of that and actually thought, um, you know, maybe this is something we need to spend a bit more time on and actually invest in as well. So not just expanding their footprint in the industries that they apply to, but also maybe 
um, being a bit more community focused. So I can see in the last couple of years, Hitachi has spent a lot of time being more community focused and um, and attending events and speaking and looking after their people and sending them out to events. Um, and that's something that Power Objects did. Um, before that, they sort of blazed that trail. Um, so, but then Power Objects seem to be on the wane a little bit in the last year or so. Um, and maybe places like Itachi and other partners are picking that up. Yeah, very interesting. I mean, you know, you get the big, uh, it's kind of like, filtering out the noise from the people that talk about themselves the most and then those that are actually, you know, impacting. Um, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I was just yesterday with a bunch of partners, I don't know, about 30 of them, and, you know, so many of them I'd never even heard of before. And and they and interesting enough in the in the chats I had with their different staff members and stuff is that very insular, you know, they, they don't – they don't engage in the community. They don't, and therefore they've kind of got, I call a myopic view, I suppose. They don't, they don't actually know what's going on. So therefore I feel that their consulting advice is limited to only their internal knowledge where in the dynamics landscape, it's really, that's not enough, right? It's changing so quickly, you know? Uh, definitely. I mean, yeah, absolutely. The platform's changing so much and so quickly. Um but also, I think there's probably a lot of people from partners that uh, are consumers of, of the information that's out there, but they, they're either they're not allowed the time or they don't give themselves the time to uh, contribute um, through various ways, you know, events and blogging and things like that. Um, but I, I've always felt that community is a, it's like it's a stealth engagement um, for customers, you know, if customers have heard about a partner because of they've been doing you know, work in the community, that I think goes a long way when they're trying to select a partner. You know, there's a, a pre-established trust. If you've been reading blog articles or, or seeing somebody speak at events, um, you're going to trust that person from somebody you've never heard about. So there's just huge benefits to working in the community. Um, and that's actually one of the things that I love most about Dynamics is it does have this amazing community of really, really nice people, really bright people, super intelligent people um, that are also very giving and very um, generous with their time. Tell me a bit about your pivot in more recent times. Is that, you know, as I was quite surprised just here now to hear that you were, you know, so much into the developer side of things. Are you more now really an architect than a developer or? Um, I think, you know, this is quite common for developers as well is as they progress through their career, they do less and less development, more sort of designing and solution architecture, things like that. Actually, I've gone even further than that. And I don't really write a lot of code these days. I have a good understanding of how things work behind the scenes from my background, technically. Um, but no, I, I primarily work with customers now and I work much more with business people rather than developer teams or, or technical people can still speak that language um but i i do i do fit into this kind of uh translator role sometimes of um talking to the business about what they need uh and then either talking to an implementation partner about how that you know should manifest in dynamics or or other system um and also talking to internal it teams about the things that they need to do the things they need to be aware of um, so there is a, an element of solution architecture and an element of, of development, um, but that's not the roles that I do anymore. I do much more sort of customer-focused, business-focused stuff. I notice that you've you've got or skilled up in ProSci, which is, you know, change management methodology, um, pretty much a standard in the industry. Tell us a bit about 
how that's impacted the way you work or engage on projects and with customers? Yeah, uh, you know, this is this is a bit of um, I'm trying to remember the analogy, but this is a bit of a, a me finding Jesus, if you like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. come with, to Jesus moment. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when I started getting more involved in change management, and that was actually through meeting some customer success managers from Microsoft. Uh, I've been working with a couple of those guys for a couple of years, and started to look at the work that they did in terms of helping projects and customers be more successful and it's really so much not about the implementation anymore you know that's quite a quite well understood process particularly for partners you get a partner in they do some design development testing um you know and that's your uh, the life cycle of your project and then you go live Um, but actually it's so much more about the work that you do before you start that implementation process and during that process and also after you go live and and there's the embedding period so 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 what do you mean by doing the work before the project are you talking about work on making sure you've got the technology uh, aligned or are you talking much more about working with the people that the technology has been implemented for yeah i think it's i think it's a bit of both but it's primarily um you know there's always an element of being um, technically ready for receiving some new technology or maybe using technology in a different way. So having the skills to be able to do that internally, but also it's primarily about involving the people that are going to be affected by this new system, by this change that's coming in and also getting stakeholders really on board and addressing areas where you might have weaknesses in either in leadership or in um, stakeholder involvement so that there's this continual um, emphasis on what the project is trying to deliver and the people that are impacted by it are aware of it and they're also on board you know they're excited for the change um, and they're they they know what's coming and they know how to use it and they're keen to use it and people are always going to be at different levels on that sort of um, desire scale um, but the more that you can do in preparation for the change that you're going to implement, you know, the better these things land when they do actually land. Um, Because people are more, they're not just, it's not just another system that they're being given by IT and it's landed on them and they just have to get on and use it. They're actually invested in some way um, in the new system and actually hopefully excited to use it because it's going to make their lives easier. I hear from a lot of partners that they say that, you know, change management, you know, we'll train the trainer at the end that there's the change management or um, what else is a common one? Oh, we can't afford it. The customer won't buy change management. We can't sell it to them. What's what's your thoughts, opinions on, on those type of comments? You know, I think there's a real um, lack of understanding about what change management is. Um, and it's been, uh, when I've talked to people about this, it's been um, there's an analogy being drawn to project management maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago, where people didn't really understand project management very well. But actually, that's very well understood and embedded in, in organizations now, particularly in the UK. And change management is probably on that journey in that there's some kind of appreciation of um, what you need to do, but it's actually really immature at a lot of organizations. And, and in 10 or 15 years' time, that will be much better understood. There'll be much more embedding of um, uh, methodologies like ProSci in terms of actually getting ready for a project. But to your question, I think there is a, a really 
embedded opinion that actually business readiness and change management is just a bit of training and some communications. Um, when it's actually, you know, I, I actually did a talk in Amsterdam a couple of months ago and I started out, you know, uh, change management is it's just a bit of training in some comms, right? You know, it's just sending some emails and training the people and then you walk away. But everywhere I've been where they've taken that approach, they've not successfully embedded their project. They've not, it's not worked. You know, I've gone back six months or a year later and, and there's lots of people not using the system because they didn't really understand the benefits of it. Um, so it's much more than just a bit of training in comms. And actually, the outcome of my session was it's a lot of training and a lot of comms and a lot of stakeholder engagement. You know, there's so many things that you can do to improve your chances of being successful. Um, and, and it is so much about communication. And you get that from the pro-sci pro methodology and, and the, the research that they do. Um, top tips for successful implementation, or at least the things that you could do better next time, uh, you know, five or six of those that pro-sci give you are about communications and then being uh, appropriate and timely and from the right people and with the right tone and using you know multiple methods of communication rather than just sending an email and hoping people read it so important of course it's a subject we could talk about for um a heck of a lot longer but just a couple of things you know and in, in looking at your profile you're listed as one of the top 10 dynamics influencers um, tell us a bit really? about yeah it says here <laughs> you're one of the top 10 influencers according to Claire, C-K-L-E-A-R.com. Now, I've never even heard of this site before, so are you familiar with it? I'm not, no. No, no. So I'm surprised for you to tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, uh, I, yeah, as an, I used to know of a thing called clout. But yes, then, that's what I thought you were going to talk um, about. Yeah. Well, it went away, right? It was shut down, so... Um, yeah, so I thought that was that. That's uh, quite interesting, and obviously a tribute to to a lot of the work you've done in the community. What's your kind of? What are the the top things that you do currently? Is it user groups? What, what's your kind of focus for the from a community's perspective? You know, community wise, I'm I'm very involved with um, uh, Dynamics three six five user group in the UK. So that's D three six five UG. Um, so uh, as you know already, we we meet through those. Um, events but uh, I'm involved on the on the committee for the overall sort of planning committee for the UK but also in planning for the London meetings that we do every few months and also I help to run the Birmingham user group as well which is really uh, coming on really well um, so I help, help to organize that so yeah I'm very quite focused on user group uh, interaction and there's actually uh, a bit of a um, a community around D365UG as well. So there's forums and things like that, and which I'm involved with too. Um, I, I would like to do more uh, more events. You know, um, I, I enjoy speaking, so I quite often speak at those events. And um, that's something I've really tried hard to work on in the last few years. Um, so doing things like D365 Saturdays is something I'm quite interested in doing and um, other events, you know, worldwide. Um, is where I want to focus on in the next year. And so what, what type of steps are you taking to do more of that type of thing? I think it, partly it's knowledge about you know, who the, the events that are happening and, and getting in touch with the people that are running those events. So that's something that I'm doing. Um, and, you know, you can always, there's always a call for speakers these days and you can always um, put yourself forward for those. So 
you know, I'm looking forward to doing some events. Um, it's it's more difficult for me to travel internationally because I generally have to pay for myself. But um, yeah, it, there's uh, something coming up in Denmark later in the year, and uh, there's an event in Scotland, and you know, so these sort of European events are things that I want to start doing. Nice, nice. So you just mentioned they're paying for yourself. So you're an independent contractor, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so I've, I've worked as an independent for a long time. Um, trying to think, I've had my company for twenty years. Um, sort of, so I've been doing that on and off, and for the last kind of fifteen years, I've been independent. Yeah, um, which is great. I, I, I something that I have found really good about dynamics is that there's so much work there's so many projects going on all the time so there's always been a shortage in um in people that understand dynamics and have the experience in it uh for the last kind of 10 years at least um so you know fingers crossed that will continue in that um not the shortage will continue don't want to be negative about it but you know there's there'll be lots of interest in in projects and uh people starting up new projects so i've not been out of work in all that time wow wow 20 years uh yeah what yeah. did you start when you were 10 <laughs> <laughs> uh, i mean no. you look pretty young <laughs> <laughs> no i'm 44 so uh, no, no way. i've been around for a while yeah. mate i wouldn't have put you past 32 yeah you're too kind <laughs> no it's true it's true so tell me um how long you've been an mvp now um only about a year and a half so my first renewal was coming up, um, fingers crossed, <laughs> I guess, about how that would go. But um, yeah, as an independent, did it change anything for you? Did did uh, you know? And and when I talk about change, uh, I'm talking about did it affect you from um, uh, you know getting work or increasing your perceived value in the market, anything like that. Yeah, I think it has. Um, it, I can't really deny that. I, I do cringe a bit, actually, the customer I'm working with at the moment, they have taken to introducing me as the MVP. And, you know, and apart from anything, nobody understands what that is outside of the Microsoft world. Um, but also, you know, that's actually not what I want to be, you know, I don't want to be the MVP in the room. I want to be the person that's adding value um, for the knowledge and experience that I've got, uh, whether I was an MVP or not. So, uh, but it, it, I, I do think it has increased that maybe presence um, along with, the other things that I do around events and, and things like that, particularly in my area, uh, you know, hopefully that is having an effect on, um, you know, whether people have come across me before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Any other benefits you see um, becoming from an being MVP? an MVP? Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I I love it. I was thinking about this actually in sort of preparation uh, for the this uh, recording, but one of the big things for me is actually the meeting people a meeting people that i have followed for years and years who um, i have a huge amount of respect for and realizing that they're really nice people and also um are really super intelligent um highly motivated people too and um that's been amazing so meeting them at um, the mvp summit in seattle that i've been to twice so that's really really cool and also just getting to talk to people day to day. So we, we communicate quite a lot within our MVP community and that's been really good. Um, and getting to know people in the product team as well. And actually I'm 
and working with a few people kind of day to day on some issues that customers have got and just having access to that channel and also for them to be so receptive. I've been really surprised at how receptive they are to, to issues and for them to spend their time when they're obviously busy, busy people looking at issues that I'm raising or other people within our community are raising um, just to really help customers along. You know, uh, I've been really surprised and, and very um, yeah, grateful for that channel. That's so good. That's so good to, you know, to hear that feedback on it and, and the value um, that you get. So it is, it is worthwhile. Um, so I just want to kind of wrap up with a few quick fire questions with you. Um, the time has gone pretty quickly, but first of all, uh, what MVP do you respect the most in the community? And, um, or, or but there might be one or two, but kind of like, you know, you talked about meeting these people coming into the community, but, you know, let's call out some names around some people that kind of had a lot of influence on your past career. Yeah, I think that's tricky. You know, there are so many good people. Um, and they've uh, some of the people are, um, you know, for different reasons, I, I respect them. So people like Scott Durow has some is somebody who's in the UK who's like, um, you know, world-famous MVP in Dynamics, um, also a super nice guy, very high productivity and um, very intelligent. Uh, and uh, he's been somebody that I've followed for years and years before um, becoming an MVP. But actually, I used to work with him as well, and, and he's super nice to work for, work with. Um, and I, and go, even going at, actually back before Dynamics, I, I worked with him before either of us did Dynamics for a short time. So that was kind of strange to kind of meet him again five years later and we're both doing dynamics. Um, but yeah, he's a really, really nice guy. Um, generally, you know, people like Gus, like yourself actually, but, um, Gus Gonzalez and some of these people that have been around the community for years, Tangi, um, meeting those people like in Seattle and getting to hang out, um, has been really, really special. Um, yeah, there's too many almost. I meet so many nice people, Nick Dolman, um trying to think now yeah yeah very good very good tell me tell me tell me um if you could do it all again would you have pivoted in your career down this dynamics path yes um you know i've thought about that before but it's actually been such a such a beneficial um uh career change not career change but a career path for me um, that there's always been work. It's always been um, of interest, and uh, you know, I've got to meet some great people through the community. So yes, absolutely, I would do it again. So what about looking forward? Like a lot of people that are just hearing about, you know, uh, Microsoft Power Platform and Power Apps and Flow, and they're like, you know, we're just starting our career in the space. Do you think they've got a a uh, 15, 20 year uh, career ahead of them if they kind of really invest and develop their skills in the space? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I I think that we're at a bit of a turning point with Dynamics 365 as a platform and how it morphs into Power Platform. Um, and in, in some ways, I wish we were kind of, you know, we, we'd leap forward two years and just have all of this quite difficult transition period out of the way and we'll have that decent set of tools there. Um, 
you know, it's always going to change. So the platform in five years and 10 years time will be completely different to how it is now. But I've no doubt that it will still be very innovative um, and interesting to work on. So for that reason, um, and the current uh, market for people with those skills is so good. For that reason, yeah, I'd definitely say to invest at this time in Dynamics and Power Platform. Andrew, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. If people want to follow you or, you know, any content you're creating or if you're on social media, how can they find you online? Yeah, thanks. It's been a pleasure too. Um, so I'm on Twitter a fair bit, um, at Andrew Bibby. So just one word there and also on LinkedIn a lot as well. So I'm fairly easy to find. Again, that's sort of uh, linkedin.com slash in slash Andrew Bibby. Uh, or just search for me on there. It's not too difficult to find me, hopefully. Um, yeah I'd be really happy to connect with anybody listening hey thanks for listening time flies so fast we're now on episode 102 I look forward to another year creating content for the community let me know in the comments if there's anything you'd like me to cover or discuss in future episodes I'd love to hear from you Full show notes can be found by visiting nz365guide.com forward slash 102. See you next time.